Section 15 of Marvels of Scientific Invention. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Linda Marie Nielsen, Vancouver, B.C. Marvels of Scientific Invention by Thomas W. Corbin a wonderful example of science and skill in the preceding chapter reference was made to the fact that for the successful sending of pictures by wire one thing was necessary above all others that one thing consists in making two machines perhaps a hundred of miles apart start working together stop together and when working turn at exactly the same speed let the reader just picture the problem to himself and ask himself how such an arrangement can be possible let him think of a town two hundred miles away and then meditate on the possibility of making a machine working in his own room and another in that distant town maintain perfect unanimity in their movements the result of such reflection will probably be the assertion that such a thing is beyond the bounds of possibility. Then he will find the following description of how it is done extremely interesting. In the first place, it must be understood that each machine is driven by an electric motor. The motors are designed to run at 3,000 revolutions per minute and they drive the cylinders of the machines through gearing so arranged that the latter turns at fifty revolutions per minute. Now all machines perhaps the most docile and easily managed is the direct current electric motor. Each such machine is made with a view to its working at a certain speed, but that can be varied within certain limits by simply varying the force of the current which drives it and that force can be very easily varied by the use of an instrument called a rheostat or variable resistance we are all familiar with the way in which the engine driver regulates the speed of a locomotive by means of a valve in the steam pipe the opening and closing more or less of the valve enables the speed to be changed at will and adjusted to a nicety the rheostat is to the electric current what the valve is to the steam. It can be opened and closed, more or less, as necessary. By it the current driving the motor can be made stronger or weaker, and as that change is made so does the speed of the motor change accordingly. Thus we see that there is at hand the means of setting a motor to work at any desired speed. The difficulty, however, is to tell when the desired speed has been attained. One can count the revolutions of a machine at two or three revolutions per minute with a certain amount of accuracy, but fifty revolutions per minute are more than one could count correctly still less could we count the three thousand revolutions every minute of the motors thus even if we had the two motors side by side we should have extreme difficulty in making them work at the same speed exactly 
one might be doing three thousand while the other did two thousand nine hundred and ninety or three thousand and ten and we should be none the wiser and when we separate the two by a distance of many miles the task of synchronizing them is even worse but fortunately there is a simple contrivance by which we can tell very accurately the speed of a motor the reader has already been familiarized in previous chapters with the difference between direct or continuous electric currents and alternating ones it is the continuous sort which is used to drive these motors but a slight addition to the machine will make it so that while direct current is put in to drive it alternating current can be drawn out of it two little insulated metal rings are fitted on to the spindle of the machine and these are connected in certain ways to the wires of the motor then against these rings as they turn there rub two little metal arms called because of their sweeping action brushes and from these brushes we can draw the alternating current for our present purpose the importance of this lies in the fact that the rate at which the current will alternate depends upon the speed of the motor as the motor increases or decreases in speed so will the rate of the alternation increase or decrease so that if we can measure the rate at which the current drawn from the motor is alternating we shall know from that the rate at which the machine is working this we can do by the aid of the frequency meter the working of this is based upon the acting of a tuning fork everyone knows that a given tuning fork always gives out the same note the note depends upon the rate at which the fork vibrates and the reason that one fork always gives the same note is because it always vibrates at the same rate that rate in turn depends upon its length if one were to file a little off the end of a tuning fork the note would be raised because its rate of vibration would become faster similarly lengthening the fork would result in a lower note being given thus a tuning fork or any bar of steel held by one end and free to vibrate at the other gives a standard of speed which is very reliable and it so happens that we can easily use a set of such forks to test the rate of alternation of an alternating current generally speaking alternating current is no use for energizing a magnet the chief reason for that is that the current tends to get choked up as it were in the coil alternating current traverses a coil very reluctantly indeed it is however possible to make an electric magnet of special design which will work sufficiently well with alternating current to answer our present purpose and it will be clear that just as the alternating current itself consists of a series of short currents so the force of the magnet will be intermittent it will give not a steady pull as is usually the case with magnets but a succession of little tugs there will in fact be one tug for every 
alternation of the current a simple form of motor fitted up as just described and rotating at three thousand revolutions per minute would give out one hundred alternations per second if then such current were employed to energize a magnet that magnet would give one hundred tugs per second so a small steel bar of the right length to give one hundred vibrations per second can be fixed with its free end nearly touching such a magnet and when the current is turned on it will very soon be vibrating vigorously for the tugs of the magnet will agree with the natural rate of vibration of the bar and just as the two pendulums described in chapter twelve responded readily to each other so the bar responds readily to the pulls of the magnet but increase or decrease the rate of alternation ever so slightly and the sympathy between magnet and bar is destroyed the bar will not respond it will only answer when the pulls of the magnet and the natural rate of vibration of the bar exactly correspond so it is usual to place five or six such bars with their ends near one magnet the lengths of the bars vary slightly so that the rates of vibration are say ninety eight ninety nine one hundred one o one one o two respectively let us in imagination adjust the speed of a supposituitous motor until we get that which corresponds to one hundred alternations we switch on the current and at first possibly we get no response from any of the vibrating bars just a touch to the handle of the rheostat and we notice that bar 102 shows signs of life we see then that our speed was much too fast and that reducing it has brought it down to 102 which is still a little too fast just a little more movement of the handle and 102 begins to relapse into quiet while 101 shows animation a little more movement and 101 gives place to 100 and then we know that our motor is working at the desired speed if our motor has been too slow to commence with it would have been 98 which first got into action but the method of adjustment would have been precisely the same and thus we see the whole scheme we regulate the speed by the rheostat and meanwhile the tell-tale stream of alternating current comes flowing out of the motor to indicate to us what the speed is what the frequency meter with its various vibrating bars interprets to us the message which the alternating current brings to us so by watching the meter we know when we have got the speed that we desire but even that is only half the battle we have seen how to make a machine turn at any desired speed and so we can adjust any two so that they revolve at the same speed but we have not seen how to start and stop the two machines at the same time first of all it must be understood that in the case of the receiving machines there is a friction clutch as it is termed between the motor and the cylinder which it is driving 
That means that while, under ordinary circumstances, the motor drives the cylinder round, we can, if we like, hold the latter still without stopping the motor. When we do, the connection between the two simply slips. So if we fit a catch on the cylinder which is capable of holding it from rotating, we can still start the motor and the latter will work. Then, the moment the catch is released, the cylinder will begin to turn too. The commonest form of a friction drive is the flat leather belt upon two pulleys, which everyone has seen at some time or another in a factory, and it will be quite easy to conceive how, if one of the driven machines were to stick, the belt might simply slip upon one of the pulleys, yet, as soon as the machine be becomes free again, it would rotate just as it did before. It is just the same with what we are considering. The motor works continuously at its proper speed, but the cylinder can be stopped when desired by the catch. Combined with the catch is an electromagnet, and though its coils there flows the current of electricity which is engaged in printing the picture on the cylinder. If a magnet be arranged to attract another magnet, it will do so only when the energizing ener current flows one way. When it flows the other way, it does not attract. Therefore, it is easy to arrange matters so that the printing current, though passing through the coil of the magnet, shall not pull open the catch. But if that current be reversed, in direction for a moment, the magnet gives a pull, open flies the catch, and away goes the cylinder upon its revolution. Thus we see all that is necessary to start the receiving cylinder is to reverse the current for a moment. And now let us turn our attention to the sending machine. Upon its cylinder there is an arrangement which automatically reverses the current flowing to the main wire once in every revolution. Normally the current flows to the wire as described in the last chapter, carrying by means of its variations the details of the picture for reproduction by the receiving machine at the other end. But for an instant, once in every revolution, that current is interrupted and a current sent in the opposite direction instead. This the sending machine does itself quite automatically. And now the reader knows of all the apparatus. It remains only to see how the different parts work in combination. Standing by the sending machine, we first all, of all turn on the current which goes coursing along the wire to the distant station. Then we set the motor to work and the cylinder begins to rotate. Before it has completed a single revolution, the reverser is operated, and just for a moment the reverse current goes to the wire. On arrival at the other end, that lifts the catch and the receiving cylinder starts. That first partial revolution of the sending cylinder counts for nothing. Real business begins when the reverser first acts, 
and that is the moment when the receiving cylinder also begins to move similarly when the sending cylinder stops it sends no more reverse currents and so the receiving cylinder is caught by the catch and not released so starting and stopping are quite automatic the same arrangement enables a continual readjustment of the relative speed of the two cylinders to take place with all the best devices the tuning forks and the rest it is still impossible to attain perfect unanimity but the variation in a single revolution cannot be enough to matter it is only when the error in one revolution goes on multiplying itself that serious difference might arise and that is prevented in the following beautifully simple way the motor which drives the receiving drum is so regulated that it travels slightly faster than does the other thus the receiving cylinder completes every revolution slightly in advance of the other and consequently is stopped and held by the catch every time the catch retains of course until the reverse current arrives and releases it thus not only does the sending cylinder start the other when the operation first commence but it does so every revolution every revolution therefore the two cylinders start together so the two cylinders are set according to the frequency meter at as nearly as possible exactly the correct speeds and the action of the reverser the reverse current and the catch ensures quite automatically that at the commencement of every revolution there shall be perfect agreement between the two no accumulation of errors can possibly occur and the problem though apparently so difficult if not insuperable at first sight is surmounted end of section 15 recording by linda marie nielsen vancouver bc